Hello and welcome into another edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. This is your show for April 5th, 2017, and this is your host, Brian Metzer. Back as I am each and every week to talk Penguins, National Hockey League, and much, much more with you here on the program. And uh, let me tell you, I'm excited for today. It's following a huge win for the Penguins over the Columbus Blue Jackets. That was uh, not in my mind. You know, if you read my work, I don't feel they need to make a statement, but I love the way that they handled their business last night. It's also a tough day here in Penguino land because we got news that Chris Letang is going to be out for the remaining uh, portion of this season, and that means he will not play in any of the remaining three games, and he will not be available to the Penguins in the Stanley Cup playoffs because they finally revealed the mystery that is a herniated disc in his neck that's going to keep him out four to six months during his recovery after needing some surgery to repair that situation. So that's bad, bad news. But at the same time, we'll see exactly uh, what the Penguins do to uh, offset that loss. They have a number of defensemen at their at their disposal now. Trevor Daly close to coming back. Oli Matta. You got the guys you traded for in Mark Streit and Ron Hainsey. I think that Trevor Daly, though, is the key that unlocks it all because he's been the chief substitute for Chris Letang over the past handful of seasons uh, or going back to last year when he arrived anyway. And we'll see if that is indeed again the case. Before we get on to anything else, though, let me thank Chip Demonic for playing us in. Uh, Just always want to give them a shout out here on the show. Go check out Chip and the band's work if you haven't already. Also, uh, thanks to Mike Lego and um, the gentleman who was the DJ in the movie Pontypool for telling us it is time to uh, make some radio, or in this case, some podcast. And you can find this show and everything else that we do over at timesonline.com. You can find us at iTunes. You can find us at Stitcher Radio. And of course, you can find us over at SoundCloud. So please do look us up over there. All you have to do is search Beaver County Times, and you'll find this show and everything else that we have available for you. You can find all the written word over at timesonline.com. You can find the... um, the links that we tweet out at time scores and everything I do, including my work for NHL.com, Penguins Radio Network, or just my musings can be found at Brian underscore Metzer. So please do look me up over there. Before, though, we continue to talk anything else on this program, I'm very excited to announce we have a guest for you on the program today, and it is going to be our inaugural guest. We've never had one, and it's a big one to uh, pave the way maybe for many future guests. I know I've talked to a number of folks about joining me here on this show, but the first person that I approached last year when I started to do this show for Times Online is the first guy that I was able to get on, and he was gracious enough to take probably far too long. It was probably a good 25 minutes today. Um, he's gonna, You'll be hearing the interview just in a little bit here on the show, and that is with my good friend, a guy I still look up to quite a bit, somebody that I really loved working with. I don't get to work with him anymore, and that is sort of uh, it's very sad for me. But I, I was thrilled to talk some puck with him today. That is Bob Grove, formerly of the Penguins Radio Network. Uh, you still know him on Twitter at Bob Grove91. Does a great job of just tweeting out little factoids. Uh, just statistics. I mean, no one knows the things that Grover knows, and he has it all essentially right in his cranium. Yes, he has some reference materials that he that he put he's put together himself over the years, but for the most part, Grover knows all, and he's going to join me a little bit later on here in the show to break down the Latang situation, break down the Blue Jackets and Penguins, 
Blake break down the uh, just some other nuances about the Penguins roster, what he likes, what he doesn't like. We're going to talk young players. We talked about a bunch of things, and I'm really thrilled to bring that all to you. It was a great talk with Bob Grove, so I want to before we even uh, get him on the show here, thank him for his time today because I kept him far longer than I probably should have, but he's too nice a guy to tell me that, and he just kept talking puck, and that's good news for you. So you'll hear from Grover here just in a um, in a, in a couple of moments. But just uh, want to mention again, huge win for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They pulled three points ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets last night, and they by all accounts, spanked the Blue Jackets. So everybody out there that said that a statement game was needed, you got to exert your authority, they did that, but I don't think they had to. It was by no means something that had to happen because the Columbus Blue Jackets, yeah, they beat the Penguins badly back in December 7-1, to and if they didn't beat them 7-1, to no one would have even been talking about you need a statement game. But because of that game and the fact that overtime was needed in both of the uh, next two games between the two teams, everyone felt that maybe they had a a little air of confidence about them. Well, the Penguins dispatched that last night with a um, a 4-0 lead that turned into a 4-1 win. And boy, that was a fun one. It wasn't good in that the Penguins got another couple injuries. Brian Rust was lost. Uh, Matt Cullen had to leave the game. Both guys apparently are not uh, seriously injured, which is good news, but that was scary to see those guys go out. Scott Wilson also had to leave and then come back, and then um, Tom Kunockel blocked another shot and was injured, but he was able to stay in the game. So overall, it was a big win in terms of getting through it, picking up two points, pulling three points ahead of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, You're not going to catch the Washington Capitals now, unfortunately. They need just one point tonight to lock up the President's Trophy. But the Penguins moved ever so much closer to locking up the number two spot in the Metropolitan Division and home ice advantage in that first round series that is going to likely pit them against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So I would say um, everyone who needed a statement, Penguins made it. They won the season series 2-1-1 against the Blue Jackets, and uh, that's about all they needed to do on top of the fact that, oh yeah, well, they beat them in the playoffs back in 2014. That's also a big statement. So overall, big win. Loved what I saw. Love the fact that the uh, Brian Dumoulin scores his first goal in 151 games, at least regular season goal, because he scored two pretty big ones last year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, we don't want to say it's been a straight through streak, but overall that was a lot of fun too. And um, depending on how long the show goes here, I might try and squeeze in some sound from him because that was uh, fun. Listen to him talk about his uh, his goal and if it was going to be overturned for a an official's review last night. But generally speaking, great night for the Penguins. You got to love what you're seeing from them. They've now won three consecutive games. Matt Murray seems to have righted his ship a little bit after dipping in play just uh, just a hair. And uh, the Penguins, by all accounts, seem to be, even though they're injured and they have some guys out of the lineup, namely Chris Letang, like we just talked about, there's a, a little bit of good news. Evgeny Malkin may be close to coming back. Trevor Daly, Ollie Matta, all those players could potentially be out there for uh, games as soon as this weekend and for sure when the playoffs begin. And that's going to help get them on track. And It's not going to be an easy road, don't get me wrong, to win in the Stanley Cup playoffs without Chris Letang, but at the same time, they've played 41 games without him this year, and they've done a very, very nice job of of maintaining and doing what they needed to do without him in the lineup. I know it's still, uh, it's nothing that you 
want to do if you if you had your druthers you you're going to have him playing because he does so much for you and he plays upwards of 30 minutes a night and uh especially in the playoffs and he breaks the puck out better than anybody and he is great on the power play and he can do so many little things but i need to tell you the power play is one area i'm not too concerned about even though they've had their ups and downs this year they're 26% this year without Chris Letang. I, that, that shocked me when I pulled that number. Just 19% with Letang in the lineup. So overall, that's one area that's not going to be too negatively affected. And uh, above that, um, I think they do have the horses to make some hay in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's not going to be an easy road. It's going to be tough. But uh, don't think that losing Letang is an automatic death sentence for this team, specifically with Mike uh, Sullivan at the helm. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin locked in. Hopefully Evgeny Malkin's going to be back. And just the things I just touched on, you'll hear Bob Grove talk a little bit about as well. He's pretty impressed with the mindset of the group, specifically the mindset that has helped or that has been crafted by Penguins head coach Mike Sullivan. Uh, I don't want to eat up too much more of your time here without Bob Grove. Let's get right to him because... Um, we do have a lot more that I want to get to at the end of the interview with Bob Grove. We'll still have a Twitter question or two for you. We'll have news of the weird. But I want to get Bob Grove on the show here. You know, uh, I just gave him all the intro that he needs. But let's get right to the Bob Grove interview, and we'll see you on the flip side. All right. I am very excited to announce our first guest, or inaugural guest here, on the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. It's a, a good friend of mine, someone I used to work with, somebody I really look up to still, and I'm thrilled to introduce him here on the program today. That is none other than my old compatriot at the Penguins Radio Network, Bob Grove. Grover, thanks for being here today. Hey, Brian. Uh, thanks so much for asking me to be on, and uh, certainly I, I remember very fondly our time together on the Penguins Radio Network. We had a blast. Yeah, we certainly did, and uh, it's great to catch up with you here. And I know you know we've talked a couple of times over the past couple of weeks, but I'm thrilled to bring it to the to the podcast so the folks can hear what you're talking about, your thoughts on the Penguins, because you still do an absolutely uh, outstanding job on Twitter, letting everybody know everything that's going on with all of your your facts and, and insight and statistics. Because I know many people are probably suffering to this day without getting that spreadsheet you send out on a, on a game-by-game basis because you still have more information, news, and notes than any media guide or anything else that you can find. And that's because you do it the old-school way. You use your eyes, and I think you use your own hand to write half of that stuff down, don't you? Yeah, you know, I, I input all that stuff myself, <laughs> but that just that just goes to prove I'm a little bit off. That's all. <laughs> hey, but no one can uh, make an error or anything that way. If something goes wrong, you just blame yourself. We should tell you... You can find Grover still on Twitter at BobGrove91. Make sure you follow him because he gives you uh, great analysis for every game. And pretty much you're tweeting almost during every game. I don't know when you sleep still because I know that you're very busy, but you're still out there just essentially bringing all the action game by game. Yeah, it's just, you know what, it's a way that I can kind of stay close to the game because I've uh, I've been pretty close to it for a long time. So it just uh, gives me, it's an outlet for me, and I'm just, uh, you know, I'm glad that, that a few other people enjoy it too. Well, yeah, I would say right now 20,900 are enjoying it based on your current Twitter follower listing there. So that's that's very cool to see. All those folks are chiming in on a game-by-game basis as well. And I guess let's jump right into the huge news of the day. It just broke a couple hours ago, essentially, during the right after or during the Penguins practice session. We were all waiting for some news on Chris Letang. It was a big mystery about what exactly was going on. A lot of speculation, of course, as there always is. But we've come to find out. He has a herniated disc. He's going to be out four to six months after having some surgery to repair this, and it's probably going to be better for him in the long term so it doesn't get any worse. 
but it's certainly bad news for the Penguins in the short term with the Stanley Cup playoffs less than a week away, is it not? Yeah, it's uh, it's a big, big blow. And, you know, uh, for the player, it's it's obviously it's it's a decision that had to be made. And you think for the long term, when you think about his career and, you know, uh, when you look at the big picture, it's something that needs to be done and it's the right thing to do. And, and uh, hopefully this will prolong his career. But, boy, in the short, short term, oh, my gosh, this is a big blow for the Penguins. I mean, he uh, for me, Chris Letang and his abilities touch every part of the Penguins game and are an integral reason why they're such a hard team to play against. You know, the minutes he plays, Brian, um, you know, he's in such incredible shape. He can just play 28 every night. If you need him to play more, it's not a problem. And that, that enables you to manage the minutes of everybody else, the speed that he brings, and that's such a critical element to the way the Penguins play the game. Puck retrieval, speed up the ice, his creativity in getting out of the zone, his understanding of the power play and the way it works, his ability to, uh, um, you know, look, when the Penguins are on top of their game, man, their they're, they're, they're gaps are incredibly tight, um, and they're able to pressure people all over the ice, and no one can do that better than Chris Letang because if he gets caught out of position for a second, he can recover in the blink of an eye because of that speed. So um, big blow. Yeah, it certainly is. When you look at it here in terms of his offense, too, I think that's really where he's blossomed over the years because we, you and I used to talk about this in terms of the way he played on the power play. He did some things that were a little frustrating, but he's turned into a much better power play performer. He had 14 power play points this year, and what's a little mind-blowing to me is, and I for some reason didn't realize that he was doing this well offensively this year, probably because he's been out for so long now, but 34 points in just 41 games this season. So that's not only a big body on your blue line and all those minutes that you talked about and all those other things, but just the, the straight scoring that he's able to contribute to in terms of those 29 assists. He makes everyone around him better, and I think he, he always did a really great job of meshing with guys like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and making them a little bit better in those man-down situations or man-up situations where they could just be so creative and, and just make really other teams scratch their heads and be spellbound with, with what they were able to do as a trio. No, you're exactly right, Brian. That's one of the reasons they miss him. It's not because, look, if you look at his career production on the power play, he's never been a big power play goal producer. But his points, as you mentioned, he, he's right He's right where he was about last year. About 40% of his points come off the power play. He's a guy who gets the way, the, he gets the way that Sullivan wants to run the power play. He's integral to the zone entry. And then once you get in the zone, he understands where Malk and, and Crosby and those guys are generally going to show up and what they're thinking because he's been playing with them all these years. So you, you, lose, you lose all of that um, when, you, when you lose Chris Letang. And it's, it's an important element of the Penguins game. And you mentioned his chemistry with Sidney Crosby. Look, those two have been terrific together on the ice since they started playing together. And as you know, Sid, the one thing you know about Sidney Crosby is he loves to look for the late guy. And, and so many times in his career. That late guy is always Chris Letang, and so you miss having that option. Yeah, he, he just has a knack for um, coming down late into the zone. He knows how to read and react off of that, too, and he, he can find little nuances, I guess, in the defense and find those gaps to get through where Sid can just feed him a pass in a spot to either make another quick pass or to put a shot on goal. And for me here, I, I guess the million-dollar question, and this is going to be loaded because there's no way to truly answer it, but do you think – they still can go on to win a Stanley Cup without him, based on all we've talked about, because of the minutes that he plays. In the playoffs, you know how, how the hitting ramps up. They're going to beat the heck out of whatever uh, defenseman you have back, at, back there. It doesn't matter what team you're playing. Can they find a way to do this without the guy that scored the Cup-winning goal last year and uh, just does so many different little things for this team? 
Well, here, here's the thing. For me, this is, as we've talked about, it's a big blow. So I think it really it really makes it very difficult for them to, to win it all this year, quite frankly. But I'm not going to say they can't do it, Brian, and, and, and here's why. One of the things I've learned about Mike Sullivan is that this guy, he's got, he's got a really great relationship with his players, and he knows um, how to explain the way he wants to play the game and how they fit into the game. And I, I think they really play very hard for themselves and for him. And I would, I've seen enough from this group um, to say you can, never, you can never rule them out of anything. And, and, and I will also point, so I'll point to that, that determination that they've, that they've had and that their coach has. I'll point to that, but I'll also point to the leadership. I mean, for me, Sidney Crosby has been really, really focused this year, especially in the last couple of months. I mean, there's just a, there's just a way, there's a look about him that says it's all business right now. And I, I, I think I've seen a better season from Evgeny Malkin this season than I've, than I've seen in a number of years, quite frankly, the leadership he's demonstrated. So when you have those two guys who are so focused and a coach and a team that works so well together, defending champions, I will never rule them out of anything. But losing this guy is going to make it so much more difficult. Well, I guess that, that leads me into Trevor Daly, who's going to be returning to the lineup. And I know you've seen this just like I have. Since he arrived in Pittsburgh, for whatever reason, and I guess it's because he can move the puck well and he skates pretty fluidly and he can handle a, bulk, a bigger bulk of minutes, he's been the guy that they've used to become maybe Chris Letang light out there and slide in into his big skates and, and sometimes not do all the things that he's been able to do, but to play the minutes, maybe slide in with Brian Dumoulin on the top pair and do the things that Chris Letang has been so often doing for the team. Do you think that coming off the injury, being a little bit fresher than he was maybe last year even at this time, he can come in and, and at least help somewhat offset the loss of Chris Letang here? And He's not going to beat Chris Letang by any means, but at the same time, he probably is maybe a little better equipped than some other players they had to try and do all of the things that he is able to bring. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought him up, Brian, because that's um, that's pretty much my thinking exactly, is that um, is that Daly is a guy, and I think it's critical that he gets a couple of games or at least one game under his belt here before the end of the regular season so he, so he really knows where he is. I know he, he thinks he feels pretty good, but he, he now takes on a, a different um, emphasis for the Penguins because of the speed, because this is, look, this is the thing that makes them so hard. There's a, a number of things that make them hard to play against, but the speed at which they play the game is the thing that has caused opponents as much difficulty as anything. And he, he doesn't have Latang's speed exactly the same way, but when you talk about puck retrieval um, and ability to move up and down the rink, Trevor Daly can really skate. He's a, just a terrific skater. So that element is, makes him, I think, really, really important going forward. And as you said, you know, he can play some minutes and all that, the experience that he brings to it. So before, you know, when everybody was healthy, he was like a bottom six guy. And uh, he's going to have a, a much bigger emphasis going forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he does maybe take a, take over a little bit of power play time. I know Justin Schultz will be doing that, but he has the ability to come out there with that big booming shot, specifically off the rush grover. That's the one thing that I love about him that he lets it rip flying off the rush into the zone better than a lot of guys on this team. I don't know that I remember maybe a guy since going all the way back to a Paul Coffey that could let a shot fly on, on the rush the way that Daly can. And I know you're not getting a ton of opportunities like that in the playoffs, but somebody that's going to put the puck to the net, 
is not going to be a liability any day of the week. I'll take it every game. And I think sometimes there's some players on this team that get a little too creative. Sometimes that shot's a better way to approach the offense when you maybe are down a guy like Latang, is it not? Yeah, no, he he has a he has a, just a, a, an absolute cannon, and uh, I'm actually a little surprised that he he has not contributed more offensively than he has. And I mean, I know he's not on the first power play unit, and that's going to restrict any defenseman, but uh, in terms of production, but I, I would I thought he would maybe chip in a little bit more, and I'd love to see him c- continue to use that shot for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's always just fun the way that he rips it. I think it takes uh, goaltenders off you know, a little bit by surprise. Specifically, he goes across his body with it sometimes, too, and a lot of guys aren't as effective at hitting the net in that situation. Well, here's another million-dollar question for you. So assuming Daly is back, Maude is back, what would you do with the pairings? Who, who do you think is going to come out? Because they went out and got themselves some defensive depth here in the form of Ron Hainsey and Mark Streit coming on board and those players all bring a little bit something, a little something different to the table. You have Hainsey, who can move the puck a little bit. He's a little bit more mobile than you think, but he's more of the stay-at-home, defensive kind of or minded player that they've been looking for to solidify the bottom of that that defensive uh, or the decor in general. Strike can do some of the offensive things that you're going to be missing from Latang, but I, I I think based on what we just said with Daly, he could fill that role, and maybe your top four starts to look a little bit like it did when Latang was in the lineup. How would you line them all up whenever they're all healthy, the guys we just talked about? Well, i got to be honest with you, Brian. I think that's one of the, that's a great question, and I don't have a, you know an absolute answer for it because I, I think the Penguins need to know that Daly and Matta are ready to go, and then they can start playing with the pairings again and, and, see, and, and see where that takes them. Because, I mean, you know, we've seen uh, – Look, we've seen Hainsey play with Dumoulin, right, um, recently. And uh, yep. I think Dumoulin, maybe you'd like to see Dumoulin play a, a little bit uh, less than he's playing, than he's had to play given the injuries, and that's certainly true for Schultz. So I, I'm not sure what way he's thinking this is going to work out. Um, and, and some of it may have to do with how many, you know, does, does Matta and uh, does Matta get in and get to play two or three games or just one? Does Daly get to play two or three or just one? And what do they look like in those games? Because as you know, Brian, you bring these guys back, if they only have one game or two games under their belt, you know, he's probably going to try to keep them to 13 minutes or 14 minutes. Um, and so if they have to go into the playoffs having one game and they've played 14 minutes, I think that might affect the way that, you, that your pairings work out. But I think I think when it's all said and done, all of those guys will be in the lineup along with Hainsey, and I think probably um, Strait and Ruedel will be the extra guys. But, but having said that, I'm not sure that Ruedel will always be that way. I, 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 you know, for me, Strait hasn't really made much of a difference. He's done all of his production on the second power play unit. I've never been a huge fan of his in his own zone. But Ruedel's been pretty good. Um, yeah. And Hainsey has a real value as a penalty killer. I don't think, for me, he's not a big difference maker, but I think they'll start the playoffs with him. But I'm not sure going forward that if he, you know, if he's not giving them what they need, that we wouldn't see Ruedel in there. I think he'll be at the top of the list of guys to come in there. So, And, and I, I, as I've said before, I think it's important they have that competitiveness. I think it's important that whatever they decide for these pairings, these guys know, um, uh, these guys understand if they don't bring it, Brian, if they're not at the top of their game in the playoffs, look, there's somebody who's got enough experience um, who's, who's going to be in and they're going to be sitting in the press box. And I, I think having that competition for playing time is important. Yeah, it keeps everybody at the top of their game. And I, I think we've all seen this before. You don't win the Stanley Cup without a good bit of defensive depth. The Penguins needed it in 09, just looking at the most recent before last year. They had it again last year. And what is it? Sometimes you need upwards of nine or ten guys, and they definitely needed to utilize 
every bit of the depth in their organization and beyond this season. They had to go out and get some uh, help from outside of the organization at the trade deadline. So great, some great points by you there. In terms of Evgeny Malkin, Grover, I don't know. Do you think that whatever's happened with his shoulder still from blocking that Michael Furlan shot, is that going to impact his ability to take face-offs potentially? Do you maybe see them having to use him on the wing a little bit? Because there was the rumor, and you hate to play into this speculation, but people were saying he was having trouble moving his arm the way he would need to to make hockey-related moves as a center. So if that's the case, yes, you're thrilled to have him back, but how do you think they might be forced to use him coming off of the injury that he was dealing with with that, with that shoulder the way he took the puck right off? Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I, uh, I'll tell you what, if, if he can't take face-offs, um, it's going to be a bit of an issue for the Penguins. Um, look, it's not because he wins a lot of face-offs, because he's, let's face it, he's not a very good face-off man. He's never <laughs> been very good. No, he's never been very good. So um, I don't think you lose a ton if he feels somewhat restricted. I would more say, look, if he feels restricted taking a face-off, then he's probably going to feel restricted shooting the puck. And now you're right yeah. back to where you were. La- now you're right back to where you were in last year's playoffs, which is you've got Evgeny Malkin out there, but he's not the real Evgeny Malkin. He's like 80% of Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, that's really un- if, if true. If true, it's really unfortunate because I think now with Latang out, they are going to need. Evgeny Malkin to be at full strength, um, and so we'll see. We'll see when he gets back into playing because I would expect, this is just me guessing, that he's going to play with with Rust and Hornquist. Um, I, I think that's the way it'll be. I think he'll leave Benino and Kessel together uh, on the third line, and he'll he'll try to make it work that way. Uh, it's not the greatest scenario because I don't think Hornquist plays as well with Gino as he does with Sid but you're certainly not touching that first line. So that'll be the way it shapes up if he's healthy. And the Penguins, look, we've talked about how hard it'll be to win without Latang. I'm telling you right now, if Genny Malkin comes back and can't play the game the way he normally plays it and is definitely restricted, I, I can't see them winning the Stanley Cup. I, I just don't. I don't think there's any way it happens. I think they need they needed Malkin before to be healthy and productive. With Latang out, that goes double. Yeah, he's just that that darn important to what they do, and that would be a, a big time shame if he's not able to play at that level. And I agree with you. I think that is the line that they'll end up using him with. Assuming Brian Rust is ready, because the hockey gods just keep interfering here in the wrong way. And they said he's day-to-day uh, today after Mike Sullivan made the announcement. He said that it doesn't appear to be anything long-term. But I think we all had our um, I, I pit in our stomach again. This kid just comes back off of injury, Brian Rust. He's looked very effective in the games that he's played so far. He had goals in back-to-back games to close out March, and he still was playing pretty effectively over this three-game winning streak, even though the offense dried up the past two games. How big a blow would it be to, to lose one of those big speed components that has, was so vital last year? Because I think his contribution to the run was very underrated last year. He was a valuable contributor, and now look at him this season. I think he's done tons of heavy lifting for the team, even though he doesn't get the credit. Well, I'll tell you what, if there's somebody out here who's uh, not convinced that Brian Rust is an important player, I'd like to hear why, because I think he I think he is an important player. I think uh, this guy, he first of all, think back to last year's playoff. I mean, did they even get past Tampa if he doesn't play the way he plays? Yeah. Uh, the guy plays without fear, even though now he's been hurt a couple of times. And I just I just love everything about his game. He's not going to be the big finisher. You know, he's never going to be the guy that piles up a ton of points. But there's a lot of character and a lot of heart in his game. And I think they, they absolutely need him. And then, you know what, if he has to miss a game or two and doesn't quite get back to start the playoffs, I don't think it's the end of the world. So uh, you just want to make sure he's right and he gets back. But 
it's just hard with 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 everything that's gone on with these injuries. It's just so hard to see another guy go down. And you know, I, I will just get up on the soapbox for one second, Brian. On if you look at the big picture of all these injuries. So we've talked about Malk and how did he get hurt? He got hurt blocking a shot. How did Chris Kunis, who's probably done for this, you know, well, I'm just reading the tea leaves, right? I'd say they'd have to get to the third round to even think about him coming back. Yeah. Um, how did he get hurt? He got hurt blocking a shot. Carl Hagelin, how did he get hurt? He got hurt blocking a shot. It's a little crazy, this phase that the NHL is going through with players blocking shots right now. And, uh, you know, like Malkin had no business doing that. Like, I admire every NHL player who blocks a shot. I admire them all. Like, Benino's crazy. Coonhawk, <laughs> I think they're, they're I think they're nuts. And you think about Benino, right? He's, he's missed one game because he was sick. But otherwise, yeah. he's been, and, and nobody's blocking more shots and putting themselves in front of more shots than he is among forwards in the NHL. And I just think it's a phase that the league is going through. And I, I, I get it in the playoffs, but I don't get it in the regular season. And I'd like to, I quite frankly, I'd like to see the Penguins do less of it than they're doing, because we can all make the case that Chris Kunitz is, you know, his game has changed the last couple of years, and I think we see that not only in his points totals and everything, but when I get to a potential first-round matchup against Columbus, Chris Kunitz for me is an important guy for two reasons. Number one, he's going to deliver some hits back to the Columbus Blue Jackets because you know how he is about finishing his checks and he's solidly built. And here's the other thing Chris Kunitz can do. He can get in front of Sergei Bobrovsky because the matchup that's key for me in that series is not Dubinsky against Crosby. It's the Penguins versus Sergei Bobrovsky. This guy has stopped almost everything he's seen this year, Brian. He's been phenomenal. If they don't take away his vision, and they did some of that last night, if they don't take away his vision, it's going to really restrict their ability to win that series. And Kunitz is a guy who can help them do that. They're going to miss him. They're going to need Hornquist to do the bulk of that. Yeah, and uh, he the way he plays the game, he's always at risk of getting hurt, too. He blocked a shot last night right before the goal he scored, and it looked like it hurt him a little bit. Luckily, he was able to get on the rush and, and do what he needed to do. But I completely concur with the block shot situation here. And I think it was uh, Mark Madden uh, retweeted our friend Adam Gretz earlier last week or at the end of the week where Gretz said the Penguins were fifth in the league in block shots this year. They were 24th last year and went into the playoffs healthier than ever. So that pretty much sums up that whole equation. And for me, I, I followed up to both of those guys. The Penguins during the playoffs last year ranked second to the Sharks with 432 block shots in just that run through the playoffs. The Blues were third in four less games with 319. So I think they caught a case of the block shots and figured that's how we need to win games. And during the regular season, you just don't. You have a guy that's wearing a ton of equipment that's paid a substantial sum to make that happen for you. Let him make some saves. It blows my mind. Uh, Yep, no, I completely agree. And I wish they would knock it off for the the most part. Yeah, well, it's knocking them off one by one. It's as if they had snipers going up against them on a game-by-game basis. Now, the last time you and I were able to talk, um, Jake Gensel was out of the lineup with a concussion. And now he's back. It looks like that line has not missed a beat with him joining Connor Sheary and Sidney Crosby on the top line. And uh, it's just kind of a breath of fresh air to see the way that those two young guys with their youthful exuberance, the way they play the game, the speed that they have, the way they've meshed so well with Sidney Crosby. And that may be as big a key as any for the Penguins in the playoffs, no matter how far they go, just based on the fact that Sidney Crosby can be productive. It's not going to just be him getting double teamed and triple teamed to shut him down. they got to worry about those two guys that are scoring some goals on his wing. 
Well, they do, and that's uh, and that's in part because uh, for me, Connor Sheary uh, creates on his own. I see Connor Sheary doing a lot of things that Sid benefits from, and so this is not one of those. To a lot of outsiders who look at this and say, "Well, of course, Connor Sheary's piling up points because he's playing with playing with Sidney Crosby," you're missing the point. You're not paying attention because, for me, Connor Sheary is so creative and so competitive and skilled that he he is doing a lot out there, and I see I see some of that those same characteristics in Gensel and, and I love that he's there's not much to Jake Gensel but he goes to the front of the net he takes a pounding but both of those guys Sheary and Gensel we saw it last year in Sheary so we know he can, when the spotlight is on in the playoffs you don't have to worry that he's going to get overwhelmed and so this will be the first time true for Gensel but guess what I'm not expecting this kid to be phased at all about playing in the playoffs because he's been thrown on the line with the best player in the world and, yeah, he deferred to him probably too much early. He's got that out of his system, and now he's just playing the game. And this guy, is a, he, he is su- such a finisher. I mean, sure he has that too, but um, I, I just love the way these guys are playing together, and, and uh, it's going to be fun to watch them work in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I also think that uh, having the tango out of the lineup right now has, takes a little pressure off all of the young guys too because everyone's going to be so enamored with talking about losing Latang and what are the Penguins going to do without him. There's not going to be much else being kicked around for the next week or so heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. That almost benefits them. They just get the chance to glide in and say, well, we'll be the underdog. We'll make this happen. And that's probably going to be against the Columbus Blue Jackets, who they played last night. This will be the last couple things I wanted to get your take on is, first of all, where did you fall on this whole they needed a statement game last night? In my mind, you didn't. It was only because they lost that game in December 7-1 to with Derek Pouliot and Steve Alexi in your lineup, Eric Fair in your lineup. Jake Gensel wasn't here yet. And it was lopsided. It was also one of Matt Murray's worst, worst performances of the season. From then, they played some pretty close games, and then the Penguins win the season series last night. Not much of a statement was needed. I think they made the only statement needed against that team in 2014. But what did you think about that? Well, I think there's – there's look, I, I don't think any player is being honest who, who says that um, the game takes on a little bit of a different look when you're a week week away from facing that team in the playoffs. Um, but I, I don't think the Penguins got caught up in it um, at all last night. I, I think they just sort of went out and, and played their game, and I thought Columbus looked, to me, uh, really out of sorts. I think that team right now, their confidence is a bit low. They've won, I think they've lost four games in a row. Yeah. yeah. You know, that Tortorella played with all his forward lines. They missed Wierenski for the, you know, and, and so he's out for the first game, and they're wondering how that's going to work. And I thought their bottom pairing last night, I thought the Penguins really exposed it. Um, so I expect a, a lot better effort out of Columbus uh, in game one. I'm sure that's going to be the matchup. But, you know, I don't think you get caught up too much in saying it's a statement game because it's a regular season game. And to your point, you know, I think you made it well. These guys know. Uh, Columbus has beaten the Penguins. They know how they would have to play against them to win. And the Penguins know the same thing about Columbus. And um, It's one thing to be a great regular season team. And uh, it's a whole different thing to succeed in the playoffs. And let's face it, there's not a whole ton of experience on the playoff side. I mean, you've got Saad and you've got Dubinsky. Um, but there's a lot of guys on that Columbus team who are going to get their first kind of real taste of it. And I also point this out. There's a, there's a level of expectation for Columbus this season that they've never had before in their history when they reach the postseason. It's not just good enough right now to have made the playoffs. They're expected to do something. They've been good for six months. They've been really good for six months. And they're expected, and it doesn't matter who they're playing, they're expected to do something once they get there. And so let's see how they deal with that pressure. 
I'm, I'm curious to see if they try and enact that 2012 Flyers playbook a little bit because it seems like that's how they might approach this, trying to draw the Penguins into penalties, slapping them around a little bit. And they clearly didn't get the memo of some of the things you talked about earlier here in the, in the program, Grover, that Mike Sullivan has gotten them into that just play mantra. They do sometimes take too many penalties a bit, but really when you look at how that game played out last night, they didn't get sucked into it. They allowed the Blue Jackets to take all the penalties, and if that power play gets going, that could be the undoing of them altogether. Maybe they should just come out and try and approach it with skill, but every matchup this year has been them trying to punch the Penguins in the face, so I don't see them changing moving into the postseason. No, I don't see a huge change. And as I said, I think, look, if you're playing the Penguins with their speed and skill, you have to have the mindset that you've got to try and make them, uh, you've got to punish them a little bit physically because that's a bigger team. Uh, Columbus than the Penguins, and so are the Capitals a bigger team, and you have to use some of that. You can't get caught up in trying to use all of that, and that's your whole strategy to beat them, because that won't work. Uh, so I, I, I think it's important, for, I think Columbus believes it's important to play a physical game against them, but look, if they think they're going to get the Penguins rattled with the with all this stuff, uh, last night was just was yet another example that it's not going to happen. And that's a tribute to Sullivan and the way he's delivered this message consistently and clearly to his team that he wants them. It frustrates me at times, quite frankly. There are times when I think there are opponents during the regular season who are running around doing a lot of stuff they really shouldn't be doing and they need to be put in their place. And I personally would, would condone doing it. But, <laughs> but, but Sullivan's the guy with a Stanley Cup ring, and he's told them, look, this is not the way to get it done. And uh, they listen to him. So I, I don't think they're going to get off their game. Well, if you had to make, and this will be the last thing, Grover, if you had to make a prediction for what might happen in a potential first-round series, because I know it's not necessarily locked in just yet, but what say you through the first round, Penguins, Blue Jackets, what, let's assume the Penguins have home ice based on the fact that they have a three-point lead right now. So if they have home ice moving into the playoffs, even with Latang, without Latang, what do you think your, your prediction is? Well, they're going to beat Columbus in the first round with home ice. I don't. Uh, I think if if they didn't have home ice, I think now you're talking. It it, it could be really really close. But I I like the Penguins in I'm going to say six games in the, in a first round series. It, now I'll have one caveat that Malkin is back and he's pretty close to being Evgeny Malkin. If Malkin is not back, or he's back and he's only a shadow of himself, for me it's a little bit of a different story. And I also should say. Zach Wierenski, where's he? Is he in the lineup or not in the lineup? That's a big, big factor for Columbus, which you know, has depended on its power play quite a bit this season. You take him out of the equation, it's different. But I think the Penguins' leadership, I've talked about their focus. I think that losing Latang, as you said, is going to be all the discussion. It's going to be, you know, let's show everybody we can continue to win even in the playoffs without all these guys. If, Cross, if Malkin is back and pretty close to being Malkin, I like the Penguins in six games in that series. Well, there you go. I think that's where I fall on it, too. So I appreciate the Nostradamus impression here today. We'll see if it holds true. And we can reconvene at some point during or after that series to just see how, how you fared if your prediction comes true. But, Grover, thank you so much for this today. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, it was just great to catch up with you here on the program. Let's do it again. Hey, thanks so much to you, Brian. Appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Bob Grove for uh, jumping on the show today. I really appreciated his appearance. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Always fun to catch up with Grover. I worked with him for uh, probably three and a half years or so over at the Penguins Radio Network, and that was a, a lot of a lot of fun for me always and learned a lot from him, and I still miss working with him. So really cool to, to get him on the show, and we'll see if we can't get him back here during the playoffs a handful of times as we move through the, uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs and beyond into the offseason. But it is time for your Twitter question of the day, and uh, it was our good friend Needles Heel. 
checks in Chris with a question and he said no one skates or moves the puck like number 58 and the pens aren't the same without him that said he's accumulated more than his share of potential career ending injuries and illness he's my favorite player so this pains me to ask but given the latest rumors of him mulling retirement and his latest injury setback like Mario before should the pens prepare for life without Latang? well yeah I mean definitely you got to prepare for life without Chris Latang, and that doesn't necessarily mean just because of his injury or anything else it could just be because, um, you know, he, he, who knows? I mean, he may end up being a guy they decide that they don't want to deal with this anymore, this situation with injuries all the time, and they decide to, to make a trade or something. Now, that's a bit of a blasphemous statement, but at the same time, you just, how many one, how many of these, you know, serious types of injuries can you really go through? He's had the stroke. He's had, um, you know, just regular old run-of-the-mill type of injuries. He's had this situation now with his... Um, with this herniated disc and it, it's yeah likely he's going to come back and this could prolong his career but at the same time you may not be the same kind of player so a lot can change between now and uh next season and beyond but yes i think you will see them start to cultivate some other players uh maybe look outside the organization and and really they have one right now in-house already that could be a nice heir apparent i'm not saying he does all the exact same things but justin schultz is somebody that uh, probably factors a little more heavily into the Penguins' future than he did just a handful of, uh, of months ago based on this injury and what could happen moving forward. So it's sad to think about it, and it's sad to think about it with all these guys that were part of the uh, the the rebuild here in Pittsburgh, you know, starting with Marc-Andre Fleury on down through the list. These guys have been around for upwards of 10 years now, and, and a lot of them are going to be moving on, and that's going to be hard for a lot of us. So uh, you got to start waiting for the next gen, and I think that the Penguins are doing a nice job of integrating the next gen. Guys like Sheary, Gensel, Matt Murray in net, Tristan Jari down in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, a handful of other great, very talented individuals in the organization, such as Daniel Sprong. And uh, so I think that overall, they are doing a nice job of stocking their cupboards, and they're preparing for life without a lot of their usual suspects. So uh, Chris Letang plays into that. That said, he's under contract, he's here, he's signed, and, and I hope that we still get many more fruitful years of, of Chris Letang, but that's not going to be easy. Don't forget, uh, you can get your question in on this program on a weekly basis. You have to tweet me with the hashtag BCTPensPod, and we will answer all of your questions here on the show. I uh, must apologize if you're picking up any background noise. I didn't realize I have a uh, window open here, just getting a little bit of air, and cars keep speeding by, so... Uh, that might be bleeding into the to the show, so it offers a little ambiance for you. Anyways, um, thanks to you, Chris, for getting your question in. Much appreciated, as always. Uh, here's your news of the weird for the week, and have you ever wanted to participate in a gigantic pillow fight out in the streets of a major city in the United States? Well, you just missed out, if that's what you had in mind, because it happened in Los Angeles. The feathers fly as pillow war overtakes downtown L.A., the Associated Press brings us this story, and it's the feathers were flying in downtown Los Angeles. Hundreds of people traded soft blows in L.A.'s Pershing Square in a giant pillow fight that dwarfed even the biggest slumber party slugfests. Children, teens, adults, and seniors swung pillows at one another for over an hour on Saturday. The annual event is held to celebrate International Pillow Fight Day. Who knew? Who comes up with this stuff, by the way? Because... It seems there's a day for everything. There's recognition for everything, and I had no idea that we were recognizing pillow fights on an international level. 
But many wore pajamas, some wore masks and goggles, and by the time it was over, the ground was so covered with feathers, it looked like it had snowed on a sunny April afternoon. So that was your tame news of the weird. I know we've had some really goofy ones lately, and uh, I figured this was an interesting story people would get a kick out of. So that was your news of the weird for the week. If you see anything that you'd like to hear me uh, give some takes on and and throw into the show, please do tweet me your uh, news of the weird stories too. I'm never opposed to using one that somebody might submit. So um, look forward to maybe you guys sending those in. You can hit me at Brian underscore Metzer. And with that, we wrap up another edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. Hopefully by the next time we get together, which will be next Wednesday, we will have a very good idea who the Penguins are playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs because it should be happening that night. We suspect that the playoffs will kick off on April 12th. That was a tentative date that the league put out there with a season-ending Sunday. And that gives the teams time to travel and everything like that and get where they need to be. And it looks like uh, if all goes well, the Penguins will be facing the Columbus Blue Jackets in uh, the first round of these playoffs. And that should be a fun one with them trying to punch the Penguins in the mouth and the Penguins hopefully running up multiple goals on Sergei Bobrovsky. But we will talk about all that and more next week. So thank you for being here. Really appreciated you guys listening. Hope you enjoyed Bob Grove. I want to thank Bob Grove for being here. Follow him on Twitter if you're not already because it's a great follow. I think you'll enjoy it at BobGrove91. And with that, we will be back next Wednesday, so you better be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. 